If you do the work, I don't care if it's in your marriage, in your your own personal finances, in your relationships, in your fitness, like what do you want? What does success look like? And if you can get clear on that, not how do I get out of today, but what do I want success to look like? I mean, it will change every aspect of your life. And it's why the fundamentals and success statements in general have just been so impactful for our customers. Well, hey there. If we have not yet met, my name is Alex Judd. I'm the founder of Path for Growth, and this is the Path for Growth podcast. Now, as a business, we exist to help impact-driven leaders step into who they were created to be so that others benefit and God is glorified. And this podcast is just another iteration of how that mission comes to life. We started this business just under three years ago, and it was right around that time that I received a phone call from today's guest, Kyle Gimmer. Kyle reached out as one of the first ever people that was interested in working with a one-on-one coach at Path for Growth. And I'll never forget that phone call because Kyle had just recently stepped into a leadership position within a interior renovation and design company out of Missouri. And he found himself having to lead a company that was growing really rapidly. I believe at that time they were doing around $10 million in annual revenue, and they were well on their way to being a $20 million company. And therefore, Kyle found himself in a position where he was responsible for introducing a lot of structure and systems and processes and cultural elements necessary to make sure that the growth that the company was engaging in was being accomplished and pursued in a healthy way. And I'll never forget that phone call, but I'll also never forget the ensuing relationship because Kyle was one of my one-on-one customers for over over two years. And here's what's crazy. It became clear at about that point that Kyle wanted to pursue something different and new in his career. And he submitted an application to become a one-on-one coach at Path for Growth. (laughs) Mind-blowing. Honestly, it's such a God thing. I I really, truly do deeply believe that. And just like we do with all our coaches, made him go through a pretty insane process to assess his competency, his chemistry with our team, his character, and his ability to fit into our culture. And he came out on the other side, and today he is one of our one-on-one coaches that helps impact-driven leaders grow their business while reducing their stress. Kyle is someone that I consider a friend, but he's also a leader that I deeply admire. And you're going to hear so many principles, but also practical action points in this conversation from Kyle, who has experience owning and running a business, but also has experience now coaching those principles into the the lives of other business owners around the country. I'm so excited for you to get to know Kyle and learn from his perspective. But before we get into all of that, I wanted to ask him a few rapid fire questions. Let's start with something you're really passionate about right now, Kyle. Yeah, I go through, I think, ebbs and flows of a lot of passion. But the one right now, specifically for our family, is homeschooling. We just started homeschooling Easton uh, this semester. Okay, very good. And why are you passionate about it right now? Uh, that's probably a whole other podcast, but, um, (laughs) yeah, just the, the opportunity to, to kind of shepherd and mold your child inside of like, now that I work from home and just stays at home, kind of like this whole freedom and responsibility of being able to allow him to be a kid. And at the same time, hold him to a standard of like, of growing and, What are the things that you're wanting to learn and how can we take the things that we want to teach you and kind of mold those together for you to kind of grow and develop? Love that. So good. But podcasts you listen to the most. 
And you can't say path for growth because that's required as part of your job. So don't say that. <laughs> Podcast I listen to the most. I listen to a lot of Tim Ferriss, Jordan Peterson, Joe Rogan. Andrew Huberman is a new one. Mm-hmm. Yes. I love podcasts. Listen to a lot of podcasts. Okay. So you're one of those interesting people that listens to Joe Rogan. I'm always fascinated by those people. Like, what do you get out of listening to a three-hour Joe Rogan episode? Or like, what, what, like what is behind that? Is it entertainment? Is it like, are you learning something? What's in that, Kyle? So I, I probably, I don't know what other people do, but what I do is he interviews people that he's interested in. And so I find that interesting because he's a good question asker. I don't really care much for like comedy. So I don't really listen to his comedy ones. Uh, I don't really care a whole lot about the UFC. So I don't really listen to those. But other than those, he has a lot of really interesting guests that kind of cross paths with a lot of the Jordan Peterson circles as well. Andrew Huberman, Jocko, like there's a lot of people who kind of intertwine. And so I just, I just am introduced to a lot of, yeah, interesting subjects and people from his podcast. And he's so curious in the way that he, he doesn't come on there with an agenda. It doesn't feel like he wants to understand why they care about the things that they care about. And he is just, he has studied enough to know what they're good at, uh, but he's curious enough to then really kind of prop them up to talk a lot about things that he's interested in that are usually things that I'm interested in. Love that. Name two books that have influenced the way that you think and act. And I'm assuming the Bible can't be one. Uh, the, the, there's one that's really, really coming to my mind right now that you and I have talked about a ton and that's ruthless elimination of hurry. That's like the one that I keep coming back to right now is one that's influenced me, my life the most in the last 12 months. Mm, Love that biggest lesson from that book or one that's really sticking with you right now. The idea that love, joy, and peace can't exist in hurry. And so really monitoring the pace and the rhythm of not just my life, but our family's life. And just saying, if we want to look and resemble and embody Christ, doing that in the midst of like running around and being in a hurry all the time are just not possible. And so we have to change some of the rhythms of how we live life. Mm. I feel like you did a good job of eliminating hurry and how you answered that question. So well done. <laughs> uh, I also find it interesting that you're like, I assume the Bible can't be one. Uh, if we were to say the Bible, what's one book of the Bible that has really influenced the way that you think or act in a big way? One specific book. Oh, geez. This actually goes along with uh, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, and that's Ecclesiastes. I love the book of Ecclesiastes. And One of the reasons why that also Ruthless Elimination of Hurry talks about a lot is we have desire is like an interesting thing where it's like a great motivator, but we have this, we have this like infinite desire. And so often we run to like finite things to try to fill it. And we wonder why we're restless and we're anxious all the time. And so Really, Ecclesiastes is a case study of someone who has like unlimited means, money, power, influence, and potential, 
and basically does everything under the sun that you could possibly do to fill and fulfill that desire. And it can't be done because you have to get past the sun to God. And God is the only thing that can actually fulfill this desire in us because we were, our souls are infinite. Our body is finite, but our soul is infinite and was made to worship and serve God. And when we run to other things, it's not going to fill it. And then it creates a whole lot of restlessness and anxiety as we like try to navigate how to be fulfilled in life. That's a powerful answer. Why, why do you think that book is especially powerful for business owners, business leaders, the people that we get to work with every single day? Oof. The first thing that popped into my mind was a principle that you say a lot, and that is your work is not what you do, but where you serve. Mm. And if you are looking for fulfillment and even being a leader and having that influence and power and authority or in your business as somehow going to be something that when I get here or when I accomplish this or when I do that, when I get to this revenue number, this whatever, then I'll be happy. Then I'll be fulfilled. The, I mean, those goalposts are always moving because it's not made to be fulfilled by a business, by people, by a dollar amount, by a figure, by a product or by anything. It's made to be fulfilled by God. Mm. And so this is your area to your business and your leadership is an opportunity to steward the gifts, the abilities and the things that God has given you to honor and glorify him, not to uh, fulfill some deep seated desire that it's not made to fulfill. Man, well said. Yeah, I, I think that that's spot on. And I think that is the reason why I've been so impacted by that book as well. This next one might be a little bit, uh, <laughs> probably requires a little bit of context. So uh, one of my favorite things about my friendship with Kyle is that probably about once every other week, I get a text message with a video of his son, who I believe Ethan <laughs> is like seven or eight. Is that correct? Six. Six. Okay. Unbelievable. So he's six years old. And so Easton has gotten really into Ninja Warrior, like obstacle courses, but it's not like, oh, he like jumps in a phone pip off of a rope. He's like, <laughs> um, I mean, it's like amazing and goes to competitions and stuff like this. And so I get these videos just unreal. Here, here's what I want to know, because we could spend the entire uh, time talking about Ninja videos if we wanted to. What's one lesson that you've learned from like observing your son's growth in that? Because it's been pretty, I mean, rapid and intentional once y'all as a family got involved into that world. Yeah, there is, I'll, I'll say the statement and then I'll give some context. This is again, the first thing that popped in my head. There's probably a lot here, but don't follow passion, follow effort. And it's been really interesting to, to raise a kid because I was like, I was so into sports. I played college baseball, just played college basketball, like sports were our lives for, for so much of our life. And then I was saved and there was like a recalibration of these things and a reprioritization. And so me being like an arrogant young kid with, without kids, I had a really deliberate way that I was going to parent and I knew how I was going to parent and I knew the things I wasn't going to do and I was going to do. And then all of a sudden you have a kid and everything changes and you get humbled really quickly. And one of the things that I've seen with him that is so cool is like Jess and I, 
we liked Ninja Warrior, but we're and we're athletic, but we are not good at Ninja Warrior. But it's something we've enjoyed watching, and we've like exposed him to a lot of different things, and he's been exposed to a lot of different things just through technology. And you've kind of seen his his passion kind of come and go in a lot of different ways, whether that be dinosaurs or construction equipment or you know Mickey Mouse, whatever the things are. But now all of a sudden it's like, we don't have to ask him to like, go do this. Like we have a a little setup in our garage and I I mean, three plus hours a day, he gets to be a kid. He gets to learn and grow in his ability to understand his body and how to move it. And he fails and fails and fails and fails and then gets it. And so I think it's just been a powerful lesson for me to like follow the effort, like I, that's not just like a, oh, this is fun to do only when thing like there's ideal situations. Like he fails far more than he succeeds and he's learning that persistence and he's still continuing to do it. And so it's really cool to kind of just watch that. And now like six months ago, we were like, oh, he may do a ninja competition. It's kind of the barometer of how we were looking at that was like, how is he going to deal with failure? when he doesn't win and then number two how how fast can he recover and be a kid and we've just seen him be able to fail and and then still have a passion and pursue it and we've seen him be able to like get out of a ninja competition and then go play tag with his kid with his friends and so it's been really cool to just like be on that journey and kind of watch him be disciplined but also still be a kid and be dedicated to something Oh, so cool. The other best part about those videos is it's typically Jess holding the camera, I think, or holding the phone. And I get to hear her be like, come on, Ethan, let's go. You got this. Like if he misses an obstacle, she's like, it's okay. Get back in the game. Get back. It's like coach Jess, man. She's got it. Yep. Yeah, I'm a little bit more stoic, surprisingly. (laughs) That's right. Uh, Very cool. Okay. Well, one of the reasons why I was really excited about this conversation and to share this conversation with our customers and our audience is because you've played this unique dynamic in that you and I coincided when you became a customer basically at the start of the company. I'll never forget where I was walking when I had a sales call with this guy named Kyle that I had never met before. And out of that, we started a one-on-one coaching relationship that lasted almost two years and kind of worked with you in your previous role at Lakeside, really running and in many ways building that business. And then from there, now you've become a Path for Growth coach, which is just such a cool and bizarre and wild turn of events. And it's just something that I know we're both so grateful for. But for people to get the perspective of where you're at now, I think it's really important for them to understand a little bit of the story of where you've been. So can you give people a little bit of insight into what you were doing and what your career path was like whenever I coincided with you almost three years ago now, Kyle? Yeah. So for four and a half years, I worked for a place called Lakeside Renovation and Design and was just the coolest thing I've ever done in my career. We, When I got there, we were around a $7 million company. And when I left, we were a $20 million company. And we went from like 35 employees to 120. And those were like really cool metrics. But the most satisfying, there were two really most satisfying pieces of that journey. One, getting to like do it with a lot of people that I cared about 
deeply and building a team, uh, a really, really strong and passionate team. And then the other part was just being able to implement a lot of the things that we were working on when I was working with Path for Growth. I was like a young, ambitious, action-oriented leader, but knew there was enough that I didn't know and I needed that accountability. And, you know, I, I had listened to, to you for a long time on the Entree podcast. And then as soon as you split and did your own thing, I was like, oh, this is the time I got to talk to this guy. And yeah, it was just so awesome especially in the construction industry, and we'll get into, I'm sure, more of the fundamentals, but probably the most rewarding thing about that time was like creating a, an aspirational mission that like got a hundred dudes in the field passionate about what they were doing and on the same path, like to the point of like tears passionate. And you see like the light in their face light up when it's like, when all of a sudden you've hit it on the head of like, this is why we exist. Uh, and you see people respond to that people who you would normally call maybe like more cold or not passionate or not about that kind of stuff. All of a sudden be like, yeah, that's why I work here. Uh, it was really, really powerful and cool to be a part of. Okay. I, I'd be interested to know your mindset coming into path for growth. Did you think like the first thing we're going to work on is mission and we're going to extend or spend an extended period of time getting that right and then rolling that out. Was that in your mindset? I can't really remember, Kyle. No. So I wish I would have done it now. I was going to reread my original LinkedIn post to you that I had written. The thing that I remembered the most, and I, I a little bit alluded to it there, but we were growing fast you don't know what you don't know. And that was maybe the level of humility that I had. I was a very strong and confident and I believed capable leader in so many different ways. Like I, I knew I could do it. I had the faith in myself to do it, but I knew there was plenty I didn't know. And I was ahead of my skis pretty much the whole time. And I wanted someone to just be someone that could uh, affirm the things that I was wanting to do to challenge the things that I was wanting to do and make sure that I, as the leader, was focused on the right things and taking action consistently on the right things. And I didn't know this principle at the time, but the, the principle that I, that I think was at the heart of why I reached out in a lot of ways is if you want to hold accountable, start by being held accountable. And I just knew, especially because I wasn't from the construction industry, if I was going to be someone that was a respectable leader, like someone that people would look to and say, I'll follow that person, I needed to make sure that I was doing the things that I needed to do to continue to move the business forward and serve our customers and our people well as also. Yeah. I remember being so struck by, number one, uh, like you didn't own the business, but you were basically being trusted. You and Matt had such a solid relationship and it's like you were being trusted to run the business in so many ways. And I really respected and continue to respect Matt for that. Like he's just a good friend of mine. And just the fact that it's like, man, he built trust with you 
is just incredibly adept at hiring for competency and character. I think that's one of his greatest strengths and that team's greatest strengths, but saw that in you and then was like, I'm going to give you the freedom to run with it. And then you signed up for coaching. A lot of times when someone that quote unquote runs a business signs up for coaching, I'm like, okay, are they going to be able to make decisions? Like, are they actually going to be able to take action? And it immediately became clear like, oh no, Kyle is being entrusted with the ability to steward this business in so many ways. And I remember kind of some discussions we had. It's like, y'all were moving at 130 miles an hour at that time, right? And it was growing and you were like, man, I'm playing this general manager role. And then I was like, okay, we're going to focus on mission statement. And I (laughs) I think it was like, what? We're going to write a sentence? Are you kidding me? Like, we got other things we need to focus on. Uh, It's interesting to hear you talk now and really interesting in light of everything that we're collaborating on and working on now, just that that's now one of the things that you're most passionate about. I think there's a lot of people listening to this that may think they have a mission statement or think they know what a mission statement does the same way you did. Knowing what you know now, what would you tell those people about having and establishing a clear mission statement, Kyle? Yeah. So I, uh, at that time, I think I had come up with three, four, five different mission statements over the course of probably a year. and nothing felt, uh, right. And so, yeah, I probably, it was probably a mountain out of a molehill situation where I was just like, there's no way we can climb that mountain right now. And what you did so well was like, just created a a space and, and asked really good questions to be able to get us to where we needed to be. Someone who currently right now in the midst of a business that's growing or a lot of stress and they're like, should I really be working on a mission statement in the midst of everything else? Uh, yes, absolutely. And, and the reason why is something we're going to talk about a lot, I'm sure, here in a minute. But clarity creates action. And I just believe that to every piece of my core at this point. And one of the massive pieces of clarity is understanding why on earth do we exist? Like, why am I supposed to get out of bed in the morning, go through all the the grind or the growth or the lack of health at times or the the customer issues or whatever the the things are that mean that it means to be working in a business like all of those stresses like why are we doing this what's the what's the north star what's that thing that we're going to be chasing and I just firsthand got to see the power of it and you always talk about Peter Drucker of like an, the effective executive makes the fewest amount of decisions at the highest conceptual level. And that's one of them where if you like get that established, all of a sudden you have just given someone a massive filter to be able to know how to act or what to chase on behalf of the business. And we had a very aspirational mission and it was very clear on why we existed. And I believe empowered a lot of people with an effective filter to make decisions and to act accordingly inside of the business. Yeah. And and we chose those words very intentionally. I remember that was one of the exercises we walked through is we walked through the whole series of questions and really said, okay, let's get into the heartbeat and soul of why Matt is doing what he does, why this company even exists in the first place, and then why Kyle is working here and why this team is so inspired because that was the thing. And this is the what's true for most of the people we work with is it's not like 
we're a company without a mission that now needs a mission. It's like, oh, we're a company that has a mission. People are very inspired. People are coming to work with purpose. We just haven't put words to it and we haven't codified it. Mm. And that was definitely true with Lakeside. It's like there was like some secret sauce going on there that it was like, we needed to define the recipe for this because otherwise we run the risk of losing it or we certainly can't scale it. Uh, do you remember the mission statement y'all came up with, Kyle? Yeah, to redeem uh, the culture and experience of the construction industry. Okay, and just to give, uh, I love that statement, to redeem the culture and experience of the construction industry. Give people a little bit of insight into what it looks like to teach through that mission statement, right? Like when you were explaining that mission statement to the leaders and then ultimately the team, like what did it look like to walk people through, hey, this is the sentence that we've landed on and why this exists? Yeah, so... First of all, massive caveat to all of this to like create actually a little bit more of a realistic setting. We created it in the fall of 2020. I would not say we started to see massive traction with it until the spring. And so like, I believe it was meaningful in pockets, but as people go through the process of creating a mission, like language creates culture. And language, it's important for it to be sticky, but it takes a moment for those things to be sticky. And so like, if you created an aspirational mission and you're like, no one cares about it as much as me, like you have to continue to drive that ship because it will catch and it's not going to happen overnight. People are not just going to immediately like get it. And so we actually went through a lot of different steps of kind of rolling it out and my leadership team didn't have it memorized at times. And some of them even like maybe didn't fully see the value of it at first. But then all of a sudden when like those things start to be repeated, you start to make decisions because of the mission. You start to like hear other people talk about it. You start to see the value, effectiveness, and efficiency of having commonality of language. Now, getting back to uh, how I taught that, there's a few different ways that I practically taught it. I sent it through an email. I created short minute long videos. So I had text and video for kind of people to see it and hear it and also read it. And then we created a class where we basically re onboarded everybody and onboarded new, new employees into it and really took time to talk about it. What I would say and how I, how I taught it from a higher level is I believe every word in a mission statement means something. And so there should be a story or a phrase or something specific that you can point to with like every single word in that mission statement. So I could talk to you about redeem, culture, experience, construction industry. Like I've got a story. I've got reasons why every single word in that mission statement was chosen. And then you have a statement that's, that concisely communicates that, but then you have all of this other context that starts to be built on why those things matter. Yeah. So it can be really easy to hear kind of that process. And for someone that doesn't know you to get this vision of Kyle as like, okay, so he's this very extroverted, very outgoing, like loves <laughs> motivational talks kind of guy. Uh, if that's the perception of you that someone has, what would you tell that person? Um, <laughs> show up at a party with me and <laughs> you won't recognize me then. <laughs> yes, that is, that is not me at all. 
Yeah, but I think that can be one of the blockers to people is they're like, oh, well, I'm just like, I'm not an inspiring leader. Or I'm more introverted. And I'm not, I'm just not as outgoing as some of these people that I see talking about having a mission-driven business. If that's a blocker for someone, like what would you tell them just from your experience? Because you're like one of the more introverted people I know. And I know quite a few introverted people, Kyle. <laughs> yeah, um, passion does n- is not a personality trait. I, I think passion is like who, like, Every person is passionate. This is part of the reason why I believe in even homeschooling of like, I think every person wants to learn. Every person is passionate about something. Every person's been given a purpose. And passion is like every single person started a business for a reason. Like there is a why there. There's a reason why all of you, like I've started a business before. I know what it's like to like wake up in the morning and be like, what on earth am I doing? Like, this doesn't make sense. This is not like what I need to be doing. Like all of these questions and all of these lies that come into your head, but there's something about business owners that pushes them through all of that fog and all of those lies and all of those things. And that's, that's the why, that's the why you started that business. And yeah, I can talk very passionately about uh, Path for Growth's mission, even though I didn't start this company too, because this is what I'm passionate about about. And so I believe there's passion there. And when you can put words to that, clarity creates action. It's not a personality trait. It's like when you put words to that, when you gain clarity around why we exist, I think that's just like a cup overflowing situation more than like a, I'm an extrovert situation. If I'm going to sit in a meeting and talk about business, yeah, I'm going to probably be the quiet guy in the corner that ask a few questions and talks last. But we start talking about the mission. It's like, okay, yeah, what stories, what situations do we want to talk about? Because this is my heartbeat. Like this is the thing that gets me going. So personality, I think, can be one of the initial pieces of resistance that people can experience. The other thing that I would say we've seen a lot is like, man, someone that's in more service industry work, blue collar work, they can say, man, I just don't, I don't know that you know our guys. I don't know that they're going to go for that, right? And I would say it, it is not, it is not unreasonable to say it could be more challenging. I, I think that that it could be totally true, but I've also just seen so many times, I've worked with so many people like you, like Matt, so many people in the construction industry, Gerald, who works in uh, uh, electrical and everything that they do with that team. That's one of the more mission-driven companies that I know. Herb, that works in excavation up in Maine. Uh, Kent, who totally. works in Pennsylvania. Like, there's so many examples of people that I've seen that it's like, okay, they've taken the service industry and in some ways elevated it with this thing called mission. Is there anything that you've learned in both observation, but also also in your experience at Lakeside that you would say, man, this is what I would tell people in the service industry or in more blue collar work to really focus on as it relates to becoming an impact driven, mission driven business, Kyle? The only other thing that I would say is it's going to be accepted at the the level that you believe it and accept it yourself. And what I mean by that is if you think this is corny and dumb and you're going through an exercise and now you're communicating it in such a way, Totally. It is corny and dumb and and no one's going to catch on to that and can sniff that out. But if you bring language and clarity to why you exist and it's meaningful to you, you attract like who you are. And so there's people inside of that organization who came to that organization because of you. And now when you've all of a sudden clarified why that organization exists, 
there's going to be light bulb moments for everybody, for many, many other people in the same way that there was for you when you created the clarity of that language. And so that would be the last thing that I think I would say is like, sure, you may have a couple more obstacles to overcome, but that doesn't, that does not mean you don't do the work. That just means that honestly, it's why it's, I got to do a lot of cool things that I'm very proud of at Lakeside and got to learn a lot of really frustrating lessons. I worked with some of my best friends, but I think the, the most proud that I am about anything is I think we created a meaningful mission and created clarity and words for people who, yeah, I think would have been apprehensive to it. And I saw, I, I just saw it in their face when you said it out loud and explain it for the first time, like, whoa that is exactly why I show up every day. And so, yeah, maybe a few more obstacles, but all that means is you just get to be surprised and see the impact of it even more. And maybe even more ripe for opportunity in those industries because their industry, I mean, it's it's really what y'all's mission was. As you said, this is an, an industry that is often overlooked, often degraded, often untrustworthy, and we're going to do something different. And it's like, man, as a result, it's like the ground was so fertile to make a difference. And man, I mean, it, it really became like, in talking to your team members, I got to come and do a team training with y'all once. It was like, oh, this isn't just talking to a team. It's like, this is talking to a family. And I've got a feeling the mission was very related to that. Yeah. Yeah. You uh, redeem that word that that could be seen as a corny or like what does that word even mean but all of a sudden when you say like we don't exist to even be like any other construction industry the like any company in the construction industry the construction industry is dead like i don't want any part of that i don't want to raise the bar on something dead i want to take something dead and make it alive i want to redeem it like people relate to that if you've spent, if you worked in any other construction industry, any other construction business or multiple of them, you say that out loud and people are like, oh yeah, yep. I want to be a part of something like that. Mm -hmm. I didn't really think about this before too, but we're in the middle of this faith at work series on the podcast right now. And we're not really talking about faith at work as like the formality of starting a work Bible study or something like that, or inviting people to church. I think those are good ways to introduce your faith into work. But so often, the best way to reach people that have not yet been reached is to introduce the fundamental principles of the gospel in just to the things you're already doing. And it's like, when I hear mm. you saying, we're not going to make a dead thing better, we're going to take a dead thing and make it come to life. I'm like, oh my God, like that, that, that is the gospel applied to the construction industry, right? And that is like the mission that totally. Jesus is on that now we're getting to, to operate in conjunction with. And so if you've got believers on your team, you're now giving them meaning because they're like, oh, this connects like what I do every day, Monday through Saturday, connects to what I'm learning about on Sunday. So that's beautiful. But then you're also creating culture within the team where people are learning something, whether they're, it's conscious or unconscious, about the character of Jesus just by showing up to work every day. And I think that's irresistible. I mean, 100%. 100%. Is there anything beyond like what we've talked about with mission that related in the process of establishing core values that you think it would be helpful for people to know or pay attention to as it relates to core values or that you just want to make sure the leaders that are listening to this podcast know as it relates to creating kind of this undergirding structure and soul of the business, Kyle? 
man, I wish I could remember what Olivia said. She said something a, a couple weeks ago on the podcast. It was so good in regards to values, but where I would say practically values uh, are a little bit different than mission, but so foundational is another filter to make decisions on behalf of the business. If you like have clarity around like who we are and what we stand for, you have now created filters for people who effectively make decisions in unique situations that aren't the norm. And then on top of that, when you talk about language creates culture, like core values are so foundational to that in the way of you can evaluate people on a weekly basis inside of their core values the same way that you would in your role, which is really, really valuable because what's more important, what people do at work or who people are at work. Mm. I think they're both very valuable and, and, having a barometer and a, and a level of accountability around both of those is very important to keep it top of mind. When you're promoting and when you're disciplining or when you're having a hard conversation or a good conversation, to be able to draw on those core values. Again, language creates culture. I, I guess what I'm really saying by that and what what we why we say that a lot is like when you have commonality of language, the business goes faster because there's a level of trust, I think, that's created because there's unification. And then your communication is more effective and efficient because everybody's speaking the same language. And so now all of a sudden, when you're trying to like difficult conversations are difficult conversations for a reason. But all of a sudden, when you can draw it back to we share the same values and you weren't aligned in this value in this moment, that is that creates more clarity and I would say poignancy in that conversation instead of like, hey, you were supposed to do this and you didn't do that and that's really frustrating. Like this just creates a lot more poignancy in that where we're already talking about those things and be able to refer back to those things creates a level of effective and efficient communication inside of the organization. Yeah. Just so people have visibility into what you were working with at Lakeside, do you have? Do you still have the Lakeside core values memorized? Is that still in that head of yours? <laughs> Man, we had seven, I believe. Let's see. Put people in situations to be successful. Love what you do. Excellence in the ordinary. Support challenge mindsets. Advocate for the customer. Someone's going to be listening to this and say the <laughs> other two. I don't remember it. There's either one or two more that I can't think of, but... I pulled up your old dashboard from two years ago and uh, unquestioned passion is the only one. Dude, that's amazing that you still had those. That's incredible. Mm -hmm. And I mean, speaks to the like the value of having core values. It's like those are kind of like benchmarks in your head. Like we can remember those. It's like in years removed from working there now, it's like you still got them in your head. That's that's pretty good. I put you on the spot there. That's pretty incredible. Well, they they define. I mean, let's be clear about what values are. It's like. It, there is part of you in that, like, because you are part of that team and you surrounded yourself with people who are very different than you in their skill set and their personalities, but are very like-minded in their heart and who they are. And when you start creating those things, like it is a little piece of who you are in there. So I don't think those things will ever go away. Yeah. What is the lesson or lessons that you learned on that rocket ship ride of 7 million to 20 million by the time you were leaving? 
that now maybe most influence the way that you coach and work with leaders today in your current role, Kyle? Man, I learned a lot of lessons from failures and victories. One of these we're going to talk about in a little bit, I think as well, which is there's a big difference between good and great. But kind of where that applied in some of my experience is the consistent accountability, and I'm getting a little bit into coaching here, but this is where I wish I would have, I think we focused in isolated silos really, really aggressively, but there wasn't uh, enough of a level of widespread accountability over the course of time. And so we like would focus here and like get, because when you're growing that fast, I mean, there's there's a lot of like you're building the plane as it's like in the air. And so you fix the wing, but then you didn't have like a, a good system for making sure that's maintained. And then you ran over here and started doing this. And I think that was a failure of my leadership of like, yeah, consistently making sure the things that you focused on, there's a level of Zach, everything requires maintenance. And like, you can't just fix something and then walk away. And I wouldn't say I ever did that deliberately, but looking back on things like, you know, we had a lot of losses that we took that I think were avoidable if we had consistent levels of maintenance. Mm, That is so profound and so helpful. I think that's one of the lessons I've had to learn in my career that I often have to relearn is the pat on the back and the applause and the excitement and the dopamine hit comes whenever you fix the thing, right? And it's like, okay, so... We all know the principle, like what you look at moves or what you look at improves. And so, so often, like you get into a business and the owner says, we've got a marketing problem. And so they look at marketing for 90 days and marketing inevitably, just because we're applying our focus, attention, energy, because the owner's looking at it and what the owner cares about, everyone else automatically cares about, right? It gets better, right? And so then we get it to where we want it to be. And then we feel good about that. And then we look at something else. But because all we did was we got it to where we wanted it to be, but we didn't put in place a system and process for sustaining what we started, it's like, you're going to come back to marketing in 180 days and it's going to be back to where it was, if not worse, because you Mm -hmm. didn't, the right word here is probably operationalize. We didn't operationalize what we did. And so, yeah, I think that that's so powerful uh, just for people to understand and recognize. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Any other lessons from that that journey of seven million to twenty million? Uh, there's a lot of lessons, but I can't think of any off the top of my head right now. Well, here's one that you listed in what you texted me the other day whenever we were going back and forth for this conversation. And I'll never forget, we had one specific phone call where it was a principle that was really standing out to me that I shared with you and it was really impactful for you, which was that effort never sustainably exceeds belief. Can you kind of highlight why that principle impacted you? And then, I mean, I, it's almost like you say that principle more in the Path for Growth community now than I do. So can you explain how it affects the way that you coach others too? Yeah, and, and that was as much, I would say, in my own personal life, how that principle really impacted me. Because there was, you know, there was, to put it lightly, you know, there's just been some it was, it was a hard last year. And when you said that principle, it like blew my mind because like the ability, the ability for me to accomplish something is less about like my, my effort, my skill, my ability. 
And it's far more about, do I actually believe the thing that I'm chasing is possible? And when, when you don't believe that, and, and when you say, this is what I want to be true, and I know it can't be true, no amount of effort or whatever is going to allow you to accomplish that. And so I remember the moment that you brought that principle up and, and you said in so many ways, what do you want to be true in this situation six months from now? And so success statements, you had me write out success statements of what I wanted to be true six months from now. And what I will never forget when I wrote those down, that was the moment when I finished that I was like, where are they at right now? And where, where do I believe they can be in six months? And I remembered so many of those things were read and that just means I didn't believe it was possible. And out of that moment, I took action. But so often we, we take the path of least resistance. We don't actually think of the ideal that we want to be true. And so we, we get caught in this cycle of like, we have little hope of, that things can be different in the future. We don't have language around what we actually want to be true. And so we're just going to continue to beat our head against a wall and hope things get better or like do the same thing over and over again and expect different results instead of doing that work, which you did with me of like, what do you want to be true? And do you believe it can be true? And if you don't believe it, then what are you going to do? And that's very different than if you do believe it's possible. Okay, let's develop a plan. If you don't, let's like not waste energy on a plan to get somewhere you know you can't get. Let's back up, reverse, take a look at our options and say, what do you do now? And I've, I've already seen that play out in a coaching call specifically with someone dealing with a hard situation where there's really three paths to go down. And it's like, what do you want to be true? And do you believe it? What do you want to be true in each of these things, these three areas? Do you believe it's possible in these three areas? Well, he didn't in one. And it's like, we don't even need to talk about that one anymore. Like, we don't need to go down. If you don't believe it's true, we might as well not put effort into making that one possible. What are the ramifications of you not believing that it's true? We may have to take action there, but let's not develop a plan to get somewhere we know we can't go. And so, yeah, that is a effort will never sustainably exceed belief. Yeah. What do you want to be true in whatever situation you're looking at in your life? And if you don't believe it's possible, uh, no amount of effort, skill, ability will get you there. Yeah. I, I've seen it play out in so many ways, but one of the ways just very practically is because I do a lot of endurance races and I'll post about them. We talk a lot of them about, on, about them here on this podcast and things like that. A lot of times people will come to me and they'll message me on LinkedIn or on social media or they'll shoot me a text or give me a call and they'll say, Alex, I'm thinking about doing this thing. Like I think, I'm thinking of doing an Ironman. I'm thinking of doing my first ever marathon. I'm thinking of doing a, a half marathon. And it's something like, do you think that I should or do you think that I can? And I, I see so much of myself in that person because I used to ask people that were in endurance sports the exact same question whenever I got into all this, right? And, uh, but it's kind of a weird question, right? Because it's like, I don't know. Like, I, like, I mean, do you think that you can? Because that's probably what matters yeah. the most. And, but what I've found is, and this is where there's a side 
principle, sometimes people need to borrow some of your belief. And and mm-hmm. what I found is the minute I look at someone and say, you could absolutely do an Ironman. It's going to be a lot of work, but you could absolutely do that. It's weird. You, you like see their chest puff up. They're like, okay. And I've literally seen people leave from that. They borrowed some belief. They sign up. And then now because they believe, they start training. They start taking action. And it's wild. It's like the thing that was blocking action was a lack of belief. And man, the more I've observed that, I'm just like, man, it's got to be one of the primary roles of an impact-driven leader. You got to guard, cultivate, and expand belief. That starts with you, right? Do you believe that better is possible, right? And so first of all, that probably begs the question, what is better? Get a little bit more specific on that. Then do you believe that it's possible? And if not, you either need to fix that or you, or you need to pick, pick a definition of better that you do believe is possible, right? Maybe you need to borrow some belief. But, but then it's like, we got to transfer that belief to other people and say, where we are is good. We're grateful for it. Better is possible in this role, in this project, in your life, in, in where we're going with this business. And, and that's going to inspire the effort and the action. Totally. So now I can talk about the other side of that that uh, principle, I guess, because you talked about the positive side of it, uh, which is 100% true of like, being an impact driven leader is is really hard. And often we lack belief and confidence in ourselves. The reason why that uh, there is borrowed belief there is that's lies like that's just that's just not true. And so the borrowing belief is seeing a future that's better than you can imagine, but is possible. I think this principle is also helpful in decision-making, which is where I went with that principle of we need to stop wasting effort on things we actually don't believe are true and just aren't true. And you have to go through an exercise of like, what do you want? And if it's not that, then stop wasting energy pursuing that. And like your effort will never sustainably exceed that belief. So if you don't believe it's true, stop doing it. I do believe that that's different in regards to an impact-driven leader. Yes, they often, uh, and I did, I often lacked confidence in myself in being a consistent, capable, confident leader and having to borrow someone else's belief definitely spurred me on to believe, all right, I can do this. Like I can I can take the right next steps to accomplish the things that I want to accomplish. The way that I've seen it play out really practically in coaching others is you'll have a leader that has a team member that it has established a pattern of underperformance in their role or a pattern of not fitting in with the culture. And you know, you'll spend some time with the leader and they're like, well, I just don't know if, you know, maybe we can get them there, right? Like, I, I agree with coach them up or coach them out, but I, I'm thinking there may, like, we might be able to coach them up, right? And it's like, okay, do you legitimately believe that you could look up in 90 days and this person could not just be adequate, could not just be like maybe decent, but could actually be like a high functioning, high character, high performing member of your team that you're proud they're part of your team. And sometimes the person will say yes. And then it's like, okay, let's create the game plan to get to that destination because that's awesome. More often than not, they will say, no, I I. I don't actually believe that they can get there. And it's like, okay, well, 
to even try getting them there, it's going to require so much time, energy, and work. Like coaching someone up from a pattern of underperformance takes so much work. And if you don't even believe that it's possible, you're going to have this thing in the back of your head that's like, this is all a waste of time. Every meeting we have, every thing I document, every email that I send, every time I have to course correct again, it's all a waste of time because I don't even believe where we're going is even possible. That's like running a marathon where you don't even think the finish line exists. You're not going to do it. It's not going to happen. And so I just think, man, such a totally. principle to keep in mind. And I actually think, Kyle, it connects to another principle you listed that you've just been saying all the time now, which is clarity creates action. Do you know the moment, was it with a customer or was it something personally where those three words, clarity creates action? Because you say them all the time now. Do you remember the moment where it really stood out to you and locked into place like, oh, that is just something that is so true? So I don't, I don't remember the moment. I know what it had to do with though, because, because I was a former customer and received so much value from our relationship. Like I grew so much uh, on a spiritual, on a personal, on an emotional, and on a leadership and business level from our relationship. But then as I come in as a coach and I start looking at what y'all have been working on, at that time it was y'all, it's us now, but I, I started to see these things called the fundamentals. And I'm like, whoa, all right. So yeah, we talked about all of these things. We, you know, you and I talked about every single one of these things in the course of our two years of a relationship. Why do I believe that these things are so powerful? Like what, why do I feel like people are taking action in a way that I've people who have been customers for a long time that all of a sudden are like, Whoa, I'm like taking action here. I'm taking action here. I'm like, what was the disconnect? And so it came through the fundamentals. Clarity creates action. And why I believe that with the fundamentals is, I say this a lot when I talk about the fundamentals. When you look at all 12 of them isolated, there is nothing I would say revolutionary about those 12 from an isolated perspective outside of path for growth. Every leadership, many leadership podcasts are talking about general concepts that are all the same. Well, what do I believe is so powerful about those fundamentals? It's not just that there's a clear path from you do this one, then this one, then this one, then this one. Every single one builds on one another. Every single one of them makes the next one more possible. That is a clear path. That's taking someone from here to there. That's really good. What's so, so revolutionary about those? is like then it gives clarity to what it looks like to be successful in each one of those 12. So like a mission, when we were talking about it earlier, everybody probably that's listening to this podcast has heard about mission and many of them don't have it inside of their business. Uh, They understand maybe the value or the con, they've just never been able to get there. What that fundamental does is not just say mission, but then has this is why it's important. This is what it looks like to win in this area. And this is what it looks like to be fully integrated. And so our fundamentals just give so much clarity to be able to say, if I'm yellow there, that's just not yellow on mission in a vague sense, or this ambiguous mission that I'm supposed to have. No, it's like, 
I am yellow on it answers the question why we exist. Okay. So then what do I, what steps do I need to take to gain clarity on why it exists? Uh, one that I will point out that really where it stuck out to me and I'll, I'll call out one of our customers, Kent, is in the fundamental on, on healthy finances. Many visionaries and business owners do not care about like talking to them about looking at a P&L or like understanding job costing or like looking at these reports. You're one of them. It's like, I don't want to, I don't want to have anything to do with that. Like, and so we almost throw out the, the baby with the bathwater. We understand the value of being financially healthy. We don't really know what financially healthy looks like, but we don't want to have anything to do with it. And so we live in this ambiguous or like vague world where we like don't even know the next right action. Well, one of the, I believe, four success statements that we have for the financial fundamental is the, the business owner has peace and clarity around the business's finances. Well, every, every business owner, like when you say peace and clarity, those are like heart-wrenching. Yeah, I actually lose a lot of sleep around the business's finances. I don't care about like the reporting side. I don't want to know about it, but I lose sleep over this. Okay, well, why do you lose sleep? And what it, what is the anxiety around? And then you start parsing it together that way out of a success statement that was very clearly, this is what it looks like to have financial health. And then all of a sudden, right out of that phone call, like he has all of these meetings and sets up all of these things and takes a look at all of these different reports because he, he wanted peace. He doesn't see the value in a P&L isolated amongst itself, but he does want peace and clarity. And coming from that angle of this is what it looks like to be financially healthy. It's like, oh, I can take action on that. Okay, well, what's the next step we need to take? And he went and did it. And uh, so I just think the clarity of this is why each of these fundamentals is important. This is what success looks like in each of these fundamentals. And this is how to fully integrate it create so much clarity for business owners to be able to take action. That Yes, so well said. So I want to break down that answer a little bit. First of all, the fundamentals. How did we arrive at those? Well, y'all have been hearing us say this on this podcast for over two years now. Like we're helping impact-driven leaders practice healthy growth. And finally, we had to come to terms with the fact that it's like, okay, well, we need to be really clear about what, what does practicing healthy growth look like? Like what does that even mean? And one of the things that we found is one of the leading indicators of a business that's practicing healthy growth is that as the business grows, uh, the stress level of the leader and the team is not increasing proportional to the rate of the business. And it's like, well, that's a no brainer because that is like the most unsustainable thing in the world. But here's the deal. It's also like the most normal way to do business in the world. It's like the more my business grows, the more problems I have, the more fires I have to put out, the more I'm running around with my hair on fire, the more stressed I am, the less I sleep at night, which means the worse that it gets every single day. So if you're pursuing that method of growth, your growth is your worst enemy. Right. That's why I get so freaking upset. You ask people, well, like, what's your goal for your business? 10x. And it's like, what? Like, why? And they're like, because 10x. It's like, that's not a good answer. Right. And so what we found is like, oh my gosh, when we point out certain businesses and look at them and say, 
that is a $20 million business that has grown year over year by a pretty large percentage. And I would say like the business owner is enjoying their life more today than they were three years ago. And they would even say that them and their team have less stress today at 20 million than they did at 10 million. It's like, that is so abnormal. It's on the verge of miraculous. Mm-hmm. And what we said is, okay, well, there's no way that's, they're just like stumbling into that. There's no way it's just like, you ask them, how'd you get here? And they're like, I, I honestly have no idea. We didn't plan on it. It's like always outrageous intentionality. And so we literally became students and we said, what are the pieces that they've put in place? And what we found is across every single case study, literally every single one, they had 12 things in place. And that in the presence of these 12 things, they could grow their business while reducing their stress. In the absence of even one, their stress level would start to increase. And so what's so neat, what Kyle alluded to, is we've drawn all those out in the format of the 12 fundamentals for healthy growth. And then to just take the one, well, let's look at two of them that you just said. So it's like the mission statement fundamental. That's where for a long time we stopped short. And that's where I think most business and leadership teachers do stop short is they say you need a mission statement. And what we didn't realize and what I think a lot of people don't realize is if you don't have a vision for what success looks like within that thing, like a mini vision for that thing of what success is, then you're stopping short. It's not what it could be. And so out of that, I've got them pulled up here. Um, And then I'd love for you just to comment on why it's so powerful for the customer, because you've seen this on the front lines with the one-on-one customers you work with every day, why it's so powerful for them to have this these mini visions for what success looks like. So these are the success statements associated with the mission fundamental. The mission is clarified in a manner that is personal, portable, and present today, red, yellow, green. The mission answers the question, why do we exist, and highlights the potential impact that drives the leadership team, red, yellow, green. The mission is memorized and supported by the leader and leadership team. The mission is actively being taught to the team and being memorized. And the mission is being passionately practiced at every level of the organization. So it's like those five statements really start to give clarity of here's what winning looks like within mission. From just your experience sharing that with customers, why is that just another level of value, Kyle? Yeah, I alluded to this earlier, and I'm seeing this a lot as well. Like, we we make mountains out of molehills in so many of these these areas of our business because we're so busy working in the business that we never have time to work work on it. And the twelve fundamentals are working on the business, which impacts the whole entire organization, but it's, there's much more friction to get there. And what these do is it, it creates every single one of these 12 incredibly important things in, that every business needs to have to be practicing healthy growth and makes them far more bite-sized. And so, I mean, the, the ones that you just said for mission is, is there clarity around it? Does it answer the right question? Is it supported? Is it actively being taught and is it, is it being practiced? Like those are five bite-sized chunks of mission. And then when one of those is yellow, then you just start getting curious and, and you start saying, well, what, why do you think you're yellow? What would, what would it look like for you to be green there? What, what's the next actions we need to take? It just creates so much clarity and 
This is why a mission statement's important. Those five things, that's why a mission statement matters. That's what it looks like to be successful. So your evaluation is like a, is like where you are here currently. The success statements are the mini vision about where there is, what it looks like to be successful in that area. And then whatever that discrepancy is, then you just have to take active steps in each one of those. And those active steps are so much more possible because it's broken down to, I would say, bite-sized chunks to then say, okay, well, what do I need to do about that area? I may have a mission that's clarified, answers why I care about it a lot, but it's not actively being taught and it's not being practiced. Well, okay, we just identified that. What do we need to do about that? Yeah. And that just connects to so often we want to get the results that Chick-fil-A got, but we're not willing to do the things that Chick-fil-A did. Right. And we're holding up Chick-fil-A as an example of world-class culture there or of world-class operations. And it's like, well, what did Chick-fil-A do? They spent years embedding and ingrating a culture at one restaurant that they could then explode out to restaurants around the country. And it's like, you got to have a vision for being a missional business that is so above average, it's not even funny. Like, do not compare yourself to how other businesses are using mission statements because most businesses don't even have a mission statement or if they do, it's total crap, right? It's in a binder and they're not using it. And so what's your standard? What are you comparing yourself to? And and then what are the actions that you're taking to achieve that vision? Just to give people a little bit more insight into what these success statements look like, I'm going to read the ones that we have for the financial health uh, metrics and rhythms fundamental. So it's one of the 12 fundamentals for healthy growth is the business having financial health metrics and rhythms in place. And so the success statements, the vision that we're trying to achieve within that fundamental with every business is the business financial activity is tracked and documented punctually and accurately. The business has a consistent rhythm for comparing actual performance to expected performance. The business has a consistent rhythm for evaluating the key financial metrics. The business has identified the key financial metrics necessary to evaluate the health and growth of the business. And then here's here's the kicker. The business owner has a sense of informed clarity and peace around the organization's finances. And man, I've just seen play out with my one-on-one customers and with, I know the one-on-one customers you work with, it's like, the practice of red, yellow, greening those statements of what success looks like, it gives you so much clarity on to like, okay, what are the areas that are potentially maybe being underserved or unattended to that I need to pay attention to? That that fundamental specifically was one that you were deeply passionate about and you really informed like the creation of and what needed to be taught. Can you speak into why you were so specifically passionate about that fundamental, Kyle? Yeah, so... I'm kind of like a numbers person and I like, I do love the spreadsheets. I was, you know, I was the guy who wanted to understand these things and was constantly looking at these things. But again, I knew the importance and I, I knew the things I needed to be looking at, but I didn't know what success looked like in those areas. So I was doing a lot of activities but I didn't really know where I was going. So I had a good picture of where we were. I knew some of the actions that we needed to take to improve, but I didn't know where the ideal was. I didn't know what it looked like to be successful in those areas. And so I would go to one thing, I would hyper-focus on it for a minute, and then I jumped to another thing and I would, I would hyper-focus on it. And 
it was just very scattered. And my vision for financial health was whether it be making payroll or having a positive month. And I knew the checkpoints I needed to look at. I couldn't even get past what is actually success in having a financially healthy company and how do I set, how do I operationalize almost every aspect of those things that that you just talked about? They're, they're tracked. There's a rhythm of looking at them, expected versus actual. And do I have a, a sense of informed peace and clarity? If I was looking at them from though, that vantage point, that would have spurred on, because uh, I, I know where my mind was at certain moments, that would have just spurred on much more action because it was so much clearer what it looked like to be a financially healthy business. Mm-hmm. And instead, I was just playing whack-a-mole with whatever felt most stressful at the moment. That's right. And I think there can be a lot of limiting beliefs, especially in the service industry, around what is possible, to go back to belief, what is possible with regard to financial predictability and financial tracking and being able to create a budget and and forecast for the work that you're in. I think there are nuances that can make it more challenging. But what I've also learned is it's absolutely possible in every industry. And certainly if you want to practice health as a business, but there's a principle somewhere in here that the blockers, the resistance and the obstacles to having that are going to be outrageously clear. It will not take you a ton of critical thought to think about the reasons why you can't do that, right? That That's going to be outrageously clear to you literally right now. It's probably sitting right in front of you, whether that's distraction, whether that's other things that need to be attended to in the business, whether that's the seasonality of your business, right? All those blockers are going to be so wildly clear. If your vision for what financial health and success looks like isn't even more clear than the blockers that are sitting right in front of you, you will never chase it. You will never pursue it because it's going to be so much work. And so it's just Again, like you said, broadening the vision of what's possible. And it's kind of like, man, we're going to do that for every single one of these 12 areas. That has been when, when we talk about clarity creates action. All of this, one, it was seen in the fundamentals. And the fundamentals just create such a clear path. But again, what I said before, and I don't even know if that's the right word, revolutionary. The thing that is just makes it so clear is success statements. And I just think success statements are, they have been so powerful for my personal life, for, for so many areas of my life and business and, and with customers, because you have to get out of the minutia of where you are. And, and you have to say, what, what does success look like? Not what does good enough look like? What does not feeling this way look like? What does getting to the next thing look like? It's what does actually success look like? And, and the vision of what is possible being greater than the problems that are in front of your face, similar to what you said. And that has been such a powerful concept for me in every aspect of life, of being able to ask that question and not being limited by my lack of belief or by the the obstacles in my way. But then when I get clear on where I want to go and actually not where I want to go that's settling, like what does success 
look like? What does winning look like? What do I want? Those are simple yet profound and very powerful questions. And you have to have hope and vision uh, to be able to answer those questions. But if you do the work, I don't care if it's in your marriage, in your, your own personal finances, in your relationships, in your fitness, like what do you want? What does success look like? And if you can get clear on that, not how do I get out of today, but what do I want success to look like? I mean, it will change every aspect of your life. And it's why the fundamentals and success statements in general have just been so impactful for our customers. Yeah. I mean, I think that connects the principle. If you want better results, ask better questions. And I love that you brought in other areas. I've spent a lot of time just observing. And obviously, I'm not a practitioner right now. So I'm I'm not a parent and I'm not married right now. But it's been interesting to observe just people's family life. And one of the things that you recognize is a lot of people are formulating their family life around the question of what is adequate, right? Like, what does it look like to Mm -hmm. be an adequate dad? What does it look like to be an adequate spouse? And I don't think they're doing it intentionally. It's just that's the question that is informing their day-to-day actions. But man, what does it look like to be a Grand Slam spouse? What does it look like to have a thriving, healthy, flourishing family? The minute I coincide with the people that have had the guts to ask that question, oh my God, those are the married couples that I am just so inspired by. Right. When they say, like, I know a married couple that they literally sat down and they said, what would it look like for us to be more passionate about each other and about our family and about the journey that we're on 10 years from now than we are today? Wow. Radically different question. And you're going to spur so many different results out of that. You take that same principle and apply it to your business. Too many people are asking the question, what would adequate be? Right. And as a result, they're getting adequate results have the guts to dream. What what would a grand slam be with regard to mission, with regard to our finances, with regard to our team culture, with regard to the way that we clarify roles and what success looks like in roles? Stop asking what's adequate. Ask what success is. It's been, uh, Simcha and I just spent so much time talking about this. If it like takes a level of vulnerability and dreaming and desire and vision and hope to be able to see like a different, better and greater future than the one you're existing in. And I would just say to anyone, like, I was probably a late adopter to like success statements, probably because of even that, that, that phrase success statements, but man, that, that like doing that work in the areas of your life that you want to see change is like, is a task worth doing that you're just going to see powerful results. And I can speak so passionately on that because I feel like I've just, I've seen so much more growth in my life because of success statements and because of doing the work of being vulnerable and dreaming and saying, not how do I get a life that's different than today, but what is the life that I want? And when I have clarity on that, it just creates so much more opportunity to take action. Mm. Is there a customer story that stands out to you right now as just one that gets you so fired up about the way that we get to work with impact-driven leaders right now, Kyle? Yeah, I think, uh, so the last coaching call I had was Tim. And Tim is someone who has been around since the beginning with me. I was a customer with Tim for for a couple years. And I remember this because we've had conversations about it. The first time I met Tim, and then the Tim that ran a marathon a few months ago, those people are drastically different people. And so 
he has been someone who already from the relationship and the impact of Path for Growth, but also all the work that he's been doing in his own life to just grow, drastically different person. But then when we start talking about the fundamentals, kind of always the tension for him has been, I'm always in the business. I'm always in the business. I can't like get out of the business. I can't accomplish the things that I want to accomplish. And so when we began working together, it was like his vision was just like, I want to get, I want to stop being relied upon for everything. And that was about as big as we could dream for a moment. But then all of a sudden, when we started going through the fundamentals, I mean, this, the amount of work that he has gotten done in the last two to three months has been just astounding. It, like stuff that's on the business, on the business, because there was so much clarity for this is actually a greater future than I've ever even imagined inside of these fundamentals. And that's where I want to go. And that is far more motivating than the things that we tell ourselves at times of like, these are the things that I need to do. Well, all of a sudden when you see that's where I want to go and that that's worth pursuing, I have just seen from a mission standpoint, from a leadership team meeting standpoint, like he has been someone who's kind of held on to control and he's got a pretty small team, but he just established a leadership team meeting where he like has let a couple more people inside of his organization in and the impact of that in and of itself, which is a hard thing for a business owner to do has just been astounding because he saw what success looked like. He knew he didn't want to do it alone. He took the risk. He took action and now like is reaping just massive, massive benefits from having other people be able to support him in doing the things that he needs to do to practice healthy growth inside of his company. Praise God, man. That's so cool. I'll, I'll never forget Tim reaching out three years ago and literally on the phone because he started one-on-one with me and now he works one-on-one with you. But on the phone with me, I'll never forget. He said, Alex, it was like a God moment. He was like, it wasn't an audible voice, but it was just this feeling of like vision. And not like God gave him a vision. It was more like you need some vision. And like, because vision in so many ways is hope. And it's just like you said, it's just been one of the most inspiring things. It's one of my favorite things about what we get to do is we get a front row seat to people changing their lives, right? And and the business is a part of that, but it's like so much bigger than that. It's like Tim is a living and breathing example of our mission statement coming to life. He, he's an impact-driven leader. That's unquestioned. He's stepping into who he's created to be. And the overflow of that, it's like Jared on his team, Virgie on his team. He's got these team members that are benefiting from that. I've seen his family benefit from that. I've seen people say, I signed up for a marathon because I saw what Tim did. So other people that Tim has never even met are Mm. are inspired by that. And I just believe like when that happens, people can't help but say like, oh my gosh, yay God, right? Like I think that's God glorifying whenever you walk that path. But I also think just the, the marathon, Tim going from not being able to run a 5K to run a marathon, is such a good example that whether you're a runner or not, it applies to the people that we're really good with. Because what we're creating is the type of thing that I personally as a business owner really need but couldn't find. I really needed, like I'm just the type of person that, man, if I work with a running coach and they give me a running plan that I can access on my phone, that it's like, if you do these things, you will get this result. It's like, I'm going to follow the plan. 
right? I'm going to check the box. I'm get, I'm going to do the things, right? That's just, I, I owe a lot of that to my parents and to God, right? That's how I was raised is like, if I know what I'm supposed to do, I'm going to be about the business of doing it because I believe in the value of hard work. I just want to know that the hard work is going somewhere. And it's like, mm -hmm. I couldn't find, for better word or not, like I couldn't find a path. I couldn't find a path, right? And and I didn't know, I didn't know whether what I was doing was right and I didn't have a sense of focus. And so what's so cool is we've wrangled that in for our business. And as we've wrangled that in for our business, we're like, oh, this is something that we can share with people. And that if you've got a guy like Tim, that it's like, just show me the path to run a marathon, they can get to a marathon, right? And and they can walk the steps, the 12 fundamentals. And then it's like the 12 fundamentals is like, oh my gosh, it opens up a whole world for you. Because now your business is primed to not just exist, to not just be adequate, to not just be functional, to not just make payroll. Your business is primed to make an impact. Like it's the primed to be the type of business that shapes and changes communities and inspires other business owners to do the same. And like, that's what we're building here, right? And, and I just think that the people that succeed with the path that we're creating are the ones that say, I just want the plan and I'll execute on the plan. And I just want someone to make sure I don't get distracted. I feel like in so many ways, that's what one-on-one -on -one coaching is now doing. Yeah. There's one main thing that comes to my mind in regards to that is when I've been introduced to new customers I'm getting ready to work with, or now customers who have been around a while, like these people have, have good businesses. They're meeting, they're, they're solving problems. They have good people. They've got good things going. They're a profitable business in a lot of ways. The vast majority, like they're impact-driven leaders. Like there's good things going. But one of the things that I told you, like the difference between good and great is massive. And the big difference between how to get from good to great is clarity that you can consistently over time create action on. And so like a clarity for something that's better than what I have currently and then a consistent level of accountability to take action on that over time. And so like when we're even talking about mission, it's like, or meetings or roles, it's like, yeah, we've got roles, we've got good people, we've got, we've got a mission. But then when you start to look at it inside of the ideal, which is those fundamentals, it just levels everyone up and then creates just such clarity on how to get to that next level. I've had so many different conversations with customers about, yeah, we're, we've got a bunch of great people. Well, a bunch of great people heading in multiple different directions. The difference between a bunch of good people heading in a lot of different directions and a bunch of good people heading in the same direction is just very, very different. And the clarity of doing these things allows people to level up to get to that next level. Impact-driven leaders that are all of a sudden now making just more and more impact because of the execution on the business, practicing healthy growth on the business. Yeah, that's right. And you don't get us to a spot where you're working on the business by working harder in the business. I think that's something that people really need to understand is like you get to a spot where you're working on the business by working on the business. And, and I think that applies to coaching because I think we will coincide with people sometimes that say, oh, I need to get my act together here and then I can prioritize coaching. 
And it's like, I, I mean, I could see spots in my life where I thought the same thing, right? It's like, that's like saying like, I need to make sure I get healthy and get spiritually well and make sure I'm emotionally centered. And then I can sign up for counseling. And it's like, I just want to shake that person and be like, no, the whole point is like, I've got to have the humility in myself to say like, I don't have this all figured out. I'm not going to have this all figured out. If I want to hold accountable, I need to be held accountable. And I, I want help, right? I, I really want help. And so one of the things that stands out here is it's like, I have zero doubt. There's people listening to this right now that should be considering working with a one-on-one -on -one coach, given what they want to accomplish with their business. It's like, they want to grow. They want to do it in a way that's healthy. They want to make sure that they're stewarding their business as a vehicle for making an impact, right? When you get on a call with someone and you're like trying to clarify who one-on-one -on -one coaching is really for and like what you're looking for in that person to be really successful with what we provide now. Like, what do you tell that person or what do you want them to know about like, man, this is who this is for. And if you're that person, you should really consider this. Yeah, the who it's for is the things that I look for. And, and this is, people listening to this podcast or showing up to the things that we do are, are mostly these people, impact-driven leaders. If you're not an impact-driven leader, like I don't know how much you're going to get out of some of these podcasts maybe, but, but that's the first one. Like, is this business bigger than just serving you? Like, is this business a vehicle for you to steward, to glorify God and to impact people? And then if it is, like everything else in life that, that, we want to be good at like leadership is lonely. We, we, in so many ways, don't know what we don't know. And what got you to this point is potentially not going to get you to where you want to go. And so like you working in the business all the time and being that person and potentially that bottleneck for you to go to where you want to go is not doing that. And so working with a coach and the reason why I signed up in, in so many ways is like, Working with a coach just helps you clarify those things that matter most. Like you are saying them out loud through a process of going through the fundamentals and just getting to know that coach. These are the things that matter most in my life, my leadership, and my business. So we help you clarify what matters most. We help you get from where you are currently to where you want to go in your life, your leadership, and your business. And a lot of that is through high return habit, which is practicing personal growth, role success statement, and then the fundamentals and getting clear on your role. And then just being a source of consistency and accountability over time and not being like a blip on the radar of like, I'm really excited about something for a moment and I'm going to run really fast and then get distracted. And having that consistency in that coach, just my job every time I get on the phone is like, man, this is what you said mattered most. This is what you said you were going to do about it. Did you do those things? And then what are we, what, what are we going to do next? And, and so just having someone constantly looking out for your best interest in spite of you in so many ways, running a business is really hard. It's really lonely. There's a lot of emotions that happen at times. There's a lot of decisions that make us feel really insecure in our ability to lead and having someone there who just knows you knows your capabilities, knows the things that you care about and can constantly keep you pointed pointed to the Lord and then pointed towards others. And like the, the reason I'm doing this is to impact other people. 
yeah, if you're that kind of person, then I think we would hit a home run with you. Yeah. It was one of the things that as we designed everything that we do with coaching really stood out to me. It's kind of, I feel like a fundamental need for me as a leader is it's like, I have to have people. It's not even a question. I have to have people that are asking me the questions that I'm not asking myself. Because if I'm only building this business based on the questions that I'm asking myself, then I I am becoming this probably not great feedback loop for myself. And it becomes this cycle where I am reinforcing my own leadership lid. And every single Mm -hmm. time I have a leader that I trust come from the outside and ask me the questions that I haven't even thought of, not give me answers typically, but ask me the questions, it gives me a new paradigm that just changes the way that I think about growth, changes the way I think about myself, changes the way that I think about our business. And I think that's what we do so well. Hmm. I'll tell you, it was one of the moments in your interviewing process. How Do you know how many total interviews you went through? Seven. Seven. Yeah, we put you through the ringer. Uh, Some of those interviews were pretty long, too, with multiple people on our team. Um, And then there were like lots of steps that were like mock coaching calls in the interview process. And you were like playing characters and Olivia was playing characters. It was intense. But one of the moments that really stood out to me that really clicked is, man, I think Kyle is really a good fit for our team is you went on a little bit of a rant of how you don't really love the word coach. And uh, I was like, man, me neither, right? Like we call ourselves coaches, but I just feel like coaches nowadays is just, oh my gosh, it seems like everyone and their dog is signing up to do this so that they can post on LinkedIn, make a ton of money by sitting at home in their pajamas and like giving people advice on what they should do, right? And that just drives me crazy because that's not what this is, but it's what everyone is doing right now. And so it was really important to me that I was like, man, if we're going to build a team of quote unquote coaches, like we are not going to be professional advice givers, right? That is not what we do. We are going to be practitioners. And so we said, man, every single person that coaches business owners or people that run a business on our team is going to be someone that has real world experience owning and running a business. And then we also said like, alignment is one of our core values. That means that the message we give is the way that we live. And we do not talk about things that we do not do. And man, I I just, it's been so cool to see how that's, that's what really convinced me was the fact that you latched onto those things so much in the interview process. I was like, I think Kyle's going to be like really good at this, really good at this. And it's just so cool to see how, man, you and Olivia's leadership, like, and really as a team, we've really honed, like, we want to create a Navy SEAL coaching team. We want to be as good as it gets Mm. in terms of one-on-one coaching for impact-driven leaders that run or own a business. Like, we want to be the best at that period, end of story, in service of our customers. And man, I, I just think we're on the path. I think we are doing it. And I think you're a huge part of that. And you're, you're not just like playing a role. You're like building it with us. And so all that to say, I just want to say thank you. I'm also going to encourage anyone. We're going to put the link to schedule a call with Kyle. If you're someone that owns or runs a business that's listening to this and you're like, man, I, I think I want to talk with someone about one-on-one coaching. Uh, Kyle would be the person to have a conversation with. Um, and so we'll put the link in the show notes of this episode, or you can just send an email to team at pathforgrowth.com. We'd love to talk with you about what it would look like to sign up for a one-on-one coaching engagement to get you involved with the Path for Growth community. Uh, Kyle, before we go, if someone's in a stage where they're like, man, 
this podcast spoke to me in so many ways. Like I am an impact driven leader. I'm working too much in the business. I want to work on the business. What is the word of encouragement or challenge that you would give that person before we go today? Change is possible and clarify what that means. Like you want to work on the business, not in the business, clarify what that means and take the next step to go do that. If that's accountability, perspective, and direction with a coach, then yeah, I think you'd be served really well there if you're an impact-driven leader. But what do you want to be true and get after that? Go take steps towards that. Very cool. Well, Kyle, I I appreciate your message today, but I, I just also appreciate the way that you live it. You're an incredible part of this team and just a good friend. So thank you. Appreciate it, man. Well, goodness, I'm so grateful to Kyle for his perspective, for his passion, but also for his commitment to growth. And hey, if you are an impact-driven leader that owns or runs a business and you're at the point where you are really saying, man, I want the perspective, accountability, and direction necessary to put the fundamentals for healthy growth into my business. I need the structures. I need the systems. I need the processes. I really want to take the action associated with them. I just need a clear path. Well, that's who our coaches like Kyle are really pumped to work with. And so the next step, if that is you, would be to schedule a call with Kyle, and we'll put the link to do that in the show notes of this episode. Y'all, you know this. We're grateful for you. We're rooting for you. We want to see you win. Remember, my strength is not for me. Your strength is not for you. Our strength is for service. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go.